What's going on, everyone? Tanner Poppert here at Madrost and Poppet's Corner. And if you are looking for the best in physical media, make sure to go check out Bionic Records in Cypress, California. They have been in operation since 1988 and offer a wide variety of musical styles, whether it be punk, jazz, metal, rock, anything your heart desires. Go check out Bionic Records in Cypress, California. Go hit up Mike. Heck, tell him I sent you. Bionic Records, Cypress, California. Hey, everybody, it's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, just want to remind you that if you have an Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a Fire Stick or Fire Cube or whatever it would be, a Fire Box if you're old school, uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your Amazon device add the channel and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night. All right. Uh, it's the CMS podcast network, cmspn.com. And it is now on Amazon. So get it. All right. All right. Here's the episode you came to see. You are about to enter the shockwave skull sessions podcast on shockwave skull sessions.com. And now your host, Bob Nalbandian. So people okay. don't know as if, yeah, as okay. if people don't know who these legendary guitar players are. We've got my old buddy Marty Friedman, who I've known since God, since the early '80s. We were like Correct. back in Correct. back yeah. when you were in Hawaii, or actually when you were in Vixen, pre-Hawaii. In the state of Hawaii, yeah, <laughs> and we got together several times out in LA and in San Francisco during a coffee. You met my grandfather when I was there with my with Hawaii. I remember that. You remember that? That's right. He came into yes. town, and you guys yes. were all in that one. What was it? The old like the Sahara Motel, which was like a seedy hooker motel on Sunset Strip. I think the four, five right. of you were were right. in that. seven of us. All your equipment. Seven of you. <laughs> And you were the only guy that I could present to my grandfather who was presentable. I didn't want That's him to think hilarious. I was hanging out with the kind of guys who were in my band. So, yeah, look at my friend here, Bob. He's in L.A. Well, dude, I feel privileged. I got to meet your grandpa. That, those are good times, man. Good times. So, of course, Marty Friedman, live from Japan. And, we and you know, everyone knows your career from, from Megadeth onward, your solo records, your work with Cacophony. Uh, your work that you've been doing in Japan and your, you know, we'll talk about your latest solo record, obviously, uh, 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 Tokyo Jukebox 3, you've done several solo records. Uh, we'll talk about all that stuff. And we also have Mr. Monty Pittman. Hey, who, uh, yeah. Also previously on the Skull Sessions, uh, another old pal of mine, Monty, who is the guitar player for Madonna and also an avid, and I do mean avid metal fan. You played with Prong and uh, uh, several other uh, uh, bands, and you've released, just like Monty, you, I mean, just like Marty, you've released almost as many solo records as, as, as uh, Marty has, uh, and they're all uh, great, you know, metal uh, records. You sing and play guitar, great stuff uh, on Metal Blade Records, so we'll talk, talk about Thank all you. that. But, Thank you. You know, I guess a common denominator here is, uh, if, 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 if that makes sense, is that uh, you both are avid metalheads and also avid pop fans and of course monty plays guitar in madonna uh you played with her for several years now doing several tours and albums and you also wrote a few songs with her too which is pretty mm -hmm. amazing. yeah 
And uh, Marty, uh, people may not know, in Japan, you are not only a major guitar hero, but you're a big pop star, guitarist for the pop stars, actually. Or you play with a lot of the biggest pop stars in Japan. So, And I know you've always been into pop music ever since I've known you. Uh, you know, like, you know, you know, it's like Raven, the Ramones and, you know, and, and, and pop is, you know, and Britney like, Spears, right? Britney Spears, right? <laughs> so let's let's just, you know, start getting into that. And uh, why don't you guys start off and uh, kind of uh, uh, lead into uh, your your love for both metal and pop and how that came about? Well, let me let me start off because I just wanted to see what kind of shared experiences Monty and I might have. Um, I, I, like I said before you started, I'm a huge fan of Monty's playing and his work, and I've heard his solo stuff, and it's really, it's the real deal. There's great playing, great arrangements, great singing, full metal. And, um, you know, I've been known to do full metal from time to time as well, and that's, you know, if it's not in your heart, it ain't going to come out. But that doesn't mean that we have to play metal all the time. And uh, I've actually been very fortunate to play with uh, some of the biggest uh, pop stars in Asia. Um, of course, Japanese ones as well as like the big Korean. Uh, I played, uh, I did a big tour with uh, D-Light from Big Bang. And Big Bang is like BTS from like five years ago. And... Um, you know, we played stadiums everywhere and all that, you know, multiple nights at Budokan and all that kind of thing. And and my favorite tour of this type of thing was with a singer named Ame. And she is like, I would, I would say the Madonna of Asia, not necessarily Japan, but every other country. Um, we played one small show in Japan and only Chinese people showed up. <laughs> But in every other country in Asia, from Singapore to uh, Hong Kong to China and all these cities in China, we played all the stadiums and the huge, huge shows. Um, and it was just one of the best experiences of my life. And there was just so many great things that happened in those things. I just really wanted to peek into Monty's experiences with, uh, you know, touring and being in that kind of close quarters with uh, a real superstar. And um, I'm just really curious to um, what what it was like, you know, on a guitar level, on a personal level, and all that kind of stuff. Well, it was a little different for me of how all this started because I became friends with her. I, I became friends with Madonna, and then she was going to go on tour again. It wasn't like I had auditioned for her, and I don't know if I would have... I mean, who knows, but you know, at the time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that that's something that I would have pursued. You know, I probably wouldn't even even thought about it because I would have just wanted to try to get a gig playing for somebody in, in a heavy band. And I moved, to, I moved to L.A. from Texas. I grew up in a small town in East Texas. And so it was such a culture shock, you know, to come to such a big city. And there's so much nostalgia here. You feel like the first time I got here, I felt like I knew the place because I had everything looked familiar because you've seen it on TV and in, in movies and stuff like that, seen it in videos. And so I got a job working at a music store and I sucked at selling guitars and people used to come in looking for guitar teachers. And I would think that like, you know, you name like Steve Vai is down the street teaching lessons or something, or like Marty's down the street teaching, you know? And um, he was actually at GIT. Right? <laughs> oh. And so, but we didn't have anyone that we 
recommended in the store. And I was either going to, I was thinking about quitting and moving back to Texas and like trying Austin maybe. And I don't know if I really would have done that, but um, so anyway, I started teaching. And so that led to me teaching Madonna's boyfriend at the time, which that's how we became friends. And then that's what led to me teaching her thinking she'll take a lesson and that's, that's it. I gave her her first lesson and then like the next day her assistant wrote and said she wants you to come over like Monday, Wednesday and Friday for two hours. So I'm like, okay. So like I was wind up going up to her, going over to her house like almost every day and teaching her how to play guitar and she was just really getting into it of being able to just, you know, write her own songs or be able to play her own songs or songs that she's always liked. And then a month after I started teaching her, she said something, I thought it was, I took it as a joke. She said, oh yeah, you want to, it was like a Monday. She said, you want to come play with me on Letterman this Thursday? And I'm just like, oh yeah, sure. And then after the lesson, she goes, okay, well, my manager will sort out, you know, your travel and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, you're, you're not joking. <laughs> and so, and, and that's the moment now looking back, like what you said about like these experiences. For me, I don't realize these things a lot of times when they're happening. Plus, you have to put so much work into it. You don't have time to stop and think about what you're doing. But you look back and like it was such a uh, life changing moment because we played on uh, David Letterman. And that is a moment where I went on stage as one person. And when I walked off that stage, my life was completely different forever. So and she she liked your playing and she wanted after Letterman, she wanted you to keep doing more stuff with her. Yeah, well, she had told me, um, see, then it turned into, she hadn't toured in seven years. So for all I knew, she had, you know, retired. Maybe she just wasn't going to tour anymore. And so then uh, she had said, hey, I'm going to go on tour. I want you to still teach me. So do you want to play guitar for me? I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, um and, and then it's, I figured maybe I'd do a tour and that would be it. But you know, she kept calling me back. You know, it was 21 years later now, or what is going on, which is, wow. it seems like it all went by in, in a flash. Wow. But um, that's the great thing is getting to play such massive shows. But, um, you know, it's not the same as if you were in like a band member for a big band and you're playing those shows and it's your band doing it, you know, I could, but a great thing about that is you can play these big shows and you're there supporting the artists. Although everybody's creating, that's one thing about Madonna. She wants everyone to bring in their input, uh, but then you can leave and walk down the street. And nobody knows who you are <laughs> and, and other people wouldn't be able to do, to do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I totally get that. And, um, you must like it if you're around for 20 years and it must be a very uh, good feeling atmosphere and like you feel good doing it. It's not like something I can't wait to quit this. It's like you like the stimulation of being with people who are really at the top of their game. And it's obviously a lot of fun if you're still there, I would assume. Yeah. She has said, she said this on the last tour. She said, there is some point uh, in the show each night where I quit. <laughs> All right, I'm not doing this anymore. And then the next day you're like, okay, I can't wait to get back on stage. 
Uh, yeah, it was, you know, this is the, it's the hardest that I've ever worked working with her. What's the um, hard work? What's the hard work about it? What's hard about it? It's the, the hours you could, it could be you know, 12 hour days, sometimes 14 hour days. And one, you know, one thing that I could, you know, that I've sort of, um, that has been highlighted, you know, with music, with working with her is the saying of it's not what you play is what you don't play. Like, sure, you could, you think like, okay, I'm gonna get on stage and and just shred all over a song, but that doesn't necessarily work. There's times it does, but it doesn't work on everything like you would like with other bands. Like in a metal band, yeah, you play everything, you play as, you know, as much as you can play. Um, but it, it's not that case. It's, it's having the space for all the other instruments. So then when you do something, like let's say you get a solo, then it really shines. It's like nothing else is going on and it's just, going, you know, there's going to be a, a guitar solo here. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see um, a, a definite insider's view of how exactly music for the masses is made. Because right. in metal bands, we're just trying to kick ass and have a good time. But right. when you're talking about that league of, you know, you're talking about, a legend who's like been a legend for decades mm -hmm. so you're getting the best seat in the house to see exactly how to entertain large huge numbers of people who come back for years and years and pay big money so this is an extremely unique thing to be able to be a part of and actually do yourself yes yeah i mean I, it's wonderful there's times like I was just I was talking to, um, you know, someone else who had been on a tour that I, that I hadn't seen in a while. And we were talking about all the things that we have learned from working with her that you don't even realize what you've learned just from the experience. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, uh, one thing that I've always taken away from doing that stuff is um, that uh, you don't have the responsibility of your own, say it's your own project. Like when I'm doing my own tours and my own albums, yeah. I'm thinking about ticket sales, promotion. I'm thinking about how many people are showing up. I'm thinking about all these things that I don't want to think about. I just want to play music. But it's my responsibility to take care of all these kind of things. And um, But when you're in a situation like that, you don't have to do interviews. You don't have to do press. You don't have to like think about any kind of monetary type of things. All you have to do is be exactly what you need to be to be a part of this wonderful machine. And that's a great responsibility. You know exactly what your parts are. You're the one who's, I assume that you're the one who takes care of what you play. Yes. Yeah. In my situations, it was always do whatever it is you want. And um, occasionally there would be like, uh, you know, a musical director who would, you know, bring me ideas to come up with parts and things like that. But it was always in a very professional fashion. So it was all I had to do is play guitar and enjoy it. And everything is everything around you is completely professional. There's no bullshit. Everything sounds perfect. Everything is done properly. Rehearsals are done properly. Um, and, you know, you don't get to be a star like a Madonna or an Ame or like a Big Bang or anything um, without being extremely charismatic and having a super amount of talent. 
And when you're around that person, working with that person in a very close environment, it rubs off on you and you start to develop talents that you didn't have when you were just ripping on guitar all the time. And it has taken me so far in my musical life to be around these people. I just love it. I just love um, being in that situation. The only thing that could possibly be a negative um, would be that it takes a lot of time, like you say, and it takes mm -hmm. time away from possibly concentrating on your own personal goals. And and when you play these shows and you play, you know, the stadiums and the big sold out shows, you realize those people aren't coming to see you. They're right. not. They're right. coming. They're yeah. coming to see that big name artist. But those people are seeing you and those people are seeing you in a great light. And if you get even a slight percentage of those fans on your side, those people will support you in whatever you do. So, you know, some people have a hard time with that. They think, well, nobody's coming to see me. This sucks. You know, they might think that it's not my gig, but that's a very negative way to look at it. If you look at it, all the positives that come from it, it's just a wonderful opportunity to take and and I really um, have a lot of respect for people who do it for a long time, and every time I do those gigs, I think, man, I would love to do more of these kind of gigs. Right, right. And uh, I just really uh, have a lot of respect for it. And when you're up, you're like really up. You know what I mean? Like when you're playing in a full-on metal context, you're really ripping all the time. So if you kind of like char a few parts, you know, if you if you don't play correctly you know you're having a bad section of a song or whatever no one's going to notice it but when your spotlight comes up in a big gig like that you got to be a hundred percent on and you got to be badass and you got to like be ready for any type of thing that could come your way from the artist you know what i mean i don't know how much improvising madonna does but when i was with ame she did so much stuff that was the spur of the moment just me and her it would be like We'd ad lib together. And if you're not spot on with that stuff, you're just not the guy for the gig. So being, you know, toe to toe with someone who is like super enthusiastic and super talented really kept my game up big time. And I just love that stimulation from doing that. Um, I just have a lot of respect for all of those people who do those gigs. And uh, I love doing it. It's some of my best memories ever. So I, I just really excited to talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. There's not. I think there's a little bit of an echo here. Are, are you? Can you? Are you hearing okay? I'm hearing fine. Oh, okay, it must be. Yeah, I heard it for a second though. Okay. But now we're good. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of um, everything that we play has been worked on, you know. For that's why we rehearse twelve hours a day sometimes. Is you've played something so many times that no matter what could possibly go wrong, you can still play the show in your sleep because it's going to be some random thing that you never know that goes wrong. We did. Um, on one tour, we had a section where um, 
you know, we, she would change songs every night, but just kind of do part of a song. And like she would, so we had everything pretty much ready, you know, where you could play anything. But there was one night, um, she, someone asked for Open Your Heart. And that's one song that we've never played. played. But we have, oh, we rehearsed in different ways. And so we've done it in different keys. And some of that stuff, like, the, um, like, like Papa Don't Preach, Open Your Heart, uh, like that era, like when, like the stuff that she did, like with Pat Leonard, um, that songwriting is so complex. That's my favorite, era, my favorite era of Madonna by far. Yeah, I, I tell people that Papa Don't Preach, I use that as a, an example of one of the most perfect, uh, one of the most perfectly written pop songs. Like it has everything to it. Um, the one time she said, Open your heart, and I was just like, Oh, what key should we do it in? And it was a disaster. But it was a disaster for me because <laughs> I was playing in the E flat and something like that happened. She could make a joke and she'd be like, oh, money's fired. <laughs> yeah. And then you have a comedic moment. But, um, uh, but yeah, everything that we do is rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed because the entire show runs together. The lights, the video, there's no time to uh, just stop and. And, and just you know, jam or, or just uh, be in the moment, which would be great. I would say that's one of the only things that would be a negative is that um, if if you were to do that, you know, you're gonna you, it changes um, everything else that's going on. Unless you had one section and you say, right here, we're gonna jam and just come up with whatever you come up with. But you have done that uh, in, in the past. I mean, as you said, the cool thing about Madonna, she lets you contribute your own stuff and your own style. You do your own guitar solos. And there is a segment of one of the shows. Or I don't know if it was through the whole tour you did. Uh, you did a Pantera riff. Uh, both you and Madonna were jamming to Pantera. Like, right. Well, but you know, see, that, that was part of the show. We did that. Every, we rehearsed that in the set list every day. We put that every day at Soundcheck. That wasn't. I'm sure a lot of the Madonna fans didn't know what was going on or who the hell that was. But you know, a lot of metalheads are like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you would think that, but every once in a while, there'd be a security guard that would be looking and just be like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> or you see, you always see fans with like, uh, I'll see, you, you always see like, I'll see like a lot of Dream Theater shirts. Seems to be a band that you, for whatever reason, you, you see their shirts. So you'll see like a rock band, someone wearing their shirts at a concert. Um, but yeah. that came from when I was I was um, working with her on her on her right hand for some guitar lesson stuff, and I was telling her this thing that Dimebag had said to me at a prong show. He was asking if we played this the song Cut Rate, and I was like, Yeah. He's like, Oh, you you do that part where it goes F sharp and it does this. And I was really impressed that he knew the whole song. Like he could play the whole song right then and there. And it's one of the fastest things at that time that I'd ever had to play. He's like, you got to stay on top of that string. You can't let your pick leave the string. You just got to relax. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. Such great advice, right? And, uh, and but, but to some people, like one of those things you don't really think about. Like, oh, no, you just relax and, and don't let your pick leave the string. That's sort of the, one of the secrets. So I was showing that to her. And then the next day she walked in, she had a bottle of wine and two glasses, sits them down and she puts on her guitar and she just goes, check this out. And I was like, oh my God, I wish somebody could see this. 
And then that led to, I was like, oh, now I got to show you a Pantera song. And I showed her a new level because you could do it in uh, drop D tuning where she could just do it with one finger. And then when we were at that point in the set list, we ended the song, which we had done, done her song Hung Up, where we had just gotten a new musical director and he wanted to do, well, he had this idea of doing that song where she's playing guitar. Cause that would be like almost like a polar opposite of the original. And so then when we would play that song at the end, she would just start playing the, a new level riff. And then the rest of the band, like they did, they, you know, they didn't know that song. They, they just thought she was playing that. So they would just play to her. And then it was like, well, that was fun. You got to jam some Pantera with Madonna today. You know, who would ever have thought that would happen? That's and then so at rehearsal, you would see like uh, the tour manager comes in with some papers and uh, someone comes and restocks the refrigerator with water. And everybody would start just showing up at that part of rehearsal, you know, just to, to see that. And it stayed in the set list. So that, that's, that's how that happened. Yeah, it's very organic. You know, it's it's really interesting what can happen. But um, the improvising thing, I've always had a different, I've been very lucky um, with Ame, we played a three and a half hour set. And some of the stuff, she just wants to improvise, like I guess vocal improvising with guitar we would trade off stuff. So there was a whole section for that was different every night. Of course, you know, lighting cues were made for certain parts of it, but for the most part, it was different every night. And I think a lot of those type of singer types really want to break out of the doing the exact same thing every night. So we had several sections that were Im improvised, but you also mentioned keys of songs. And one thing that I loved about playing pop music was there are so many different keys to play in you're like most of the time you're like an a flat or you're an mm -hmm. f the whole songs in like a key that is not metal friendly so to speak but the reason like i don't know in your case i would assume to some extent so but in my case oh these people want me to join because they want to metal up their sound a little bit even though it's even though it's very much pop so um you're playing these metal stuff, but it's all in these non-metal keys. And yeah. that really open up your mind to doing metal in a kind of different way. So, you know, after I'd come off a tour from that type of stuff, I'd be writing stuff on my own music that would be in these strange keys. Oh, good. And, and it just sounds unique. You know, even if you're doing normal riffs, if you do them in unusual keys, just the timbre of the notes and the sound of those particular frets are sounding so different enough that it just sounds original. And I got all of that from playing in pop context. So I think uh, that's another very interesting aspect that you brought up. When, when you do that, do you tune down? So it's like so you no. it's like you're playing an E minor or whatever. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think that I think a lot of pop guitarists have developed, even if they started out in metal. Let's face it, most guys who grew up to play guitar started off because they like metal or something like that. Nobody exactly. goes to like some you know, pop band show and say, I want to be a guitar player. You know, they started out from watching metal, Kiss, Black Sabbath, whatever. Nobody gets inspired by, um, I can't think of, they don't come to mind, but like, you know, full on pop music, I love it more than anything else, but it's not the type of thing that makes you run out and go buy a guitar. You know what I mean? Right. You know, like Kiss 
So like, but most people start off playing rock, but when you're in a pop context, you got to play in like every single key there is, and you got to quickly transpose it when the singer wants to try it in a different key. So um, that's what pop guys can do that metal guys don't really do that well. They're like, oh, well, it's an F, and I'm gonna tune, I'm gonna tune a half step up to play this song in my comfortable E playing, so I can get a lot of open strings. No, um, I never went for that, and that's what made it quite easy for me to adapt into pop situations because I actually liked playing in different keys and improvising in different keys. And one thing on that is when I toured with Ame, she had a musical director from Singapore, and um, Chinese people have not had rock as long as the rest of the world. Right. They, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Had rock. And Japan has had rock forever, and Europe has had rock forever. But China, it's very new. And Singapore is kind of like China in that respect. So the music, musical director was very, very talented. But when he made all the arrangements of these big, famous, famous Chinese songs and tried to make them rock, he just like, well, I guess this is rock. Um, but he's writing all these riffs in A-flat and all these odd time signatures. It's like... Maybe he heard one dream theater song and said, well, this is rock, so I'm going to put this here. And, and, the, and, and there was just the weirdest time signatures and the weirdest non-rock-oriented non -rock things that they tried to make rock. And as a result, it was just this weird mishmash of stuff that was very difficult to remember. And I remember it was long rehearsals, like you said, 12, 14 hours just remembering three and a half hours of very unconventional rock. I mean, the chords did not go together like you and me, you and I grew up with. And I'm like, dude, this is not rock, but somehow it's working. The singer can relate to it and let's just do it. But it was very difficult to remember these weird things because Chinese people had not, they had never grown up with rock. And so I remember that being an extremely difficult challenge, but once we got used to it, like you said, you can play it in your sleep and um, you get used to every single moment of it, but it was just a wonderful challenge and a, a wonderful thing to be a part of and to actually have that luck. It's lucky to be able to be challenged like that at any stage of your career, because if you're just playing rock and metal all the time, you kind of fall into a lot of the similar, similar, um, just similar um, motifs. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're very cool motifs, but um, sometimes when you have a complete outsider directing the party, it really can be a fun challenge. And I just, I remember hating it when I was rehearsing it, but absolutely loving it when I was playing it live. Just love it once I got it under my fingers. Sometimes those are my favorite things. When you're doing something at rehearsal, you're like, I hate this, I, don't, I hate this song. And then you look back, you're like, oh, I really like that. You've learned something from that. But yeah, something, yes. something in, a, in a flat key, what I've done in the past was like, you know, I'll use an, a guitar that's tuned down a, a half step. But lately I've been, and I've been studying a lot of jazz, lately or just kind of going back and you know it's, everything is in cycles and uh, studying things like that um, so I've been sort of fascinated with that like if it's E flat play it as an E flat and I was thinking about like next time like taking that approach <clears throat> yeah. so you can take you know whatever I did on this tour you do the polar opposite 
next time. Mm. Um, and then what I'll do, see, what I'll usually do is I'll, for my solo stuff, I'll tune down uh, to C sharp. And I got there from, uh, from when I was going to have to be my own singer, of course. So I started taking vocal lessons and then I found my range. And so I found the highest note that I could sing. And so then I just sort of like, okay, if that's going to be, you know, whatever fret this is on or whatever this note is in relation to what I usually am going to write, I'll tune down to match that. <laughs> and so then I'll go into Madonna using that same tuning. And then when I have time and I'm just playing and noodling around, it's, it's, it's better to come up with stuff that I'm going to use later as one of my songs. You, you're sitting around at sound check and you're just playing, going, oh, that's a good riff. And I'm like ready to go. And I'm used to playing my guitar that I would play for my solo stuff all the time. Not having mm -hmm. like having it like it's a completely different instrument. Also, if she wants to change a key or something, if you get to where, you know, in that sense where you're tuning down, then sometimes you may get to where, okay, I don't, that's as low as I can go. I don't have any lower notes. If I tune down low, I can, it's like I'm always going up and I have uh, plenty of room. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know so much more uh, crossover now with, with the metal and pop, of course, Lady Gaga, you know, she's a, uh, you know, a big fan of Iron Maiden and, and even more underground yeah. bands like Saxon and all, you know, that a lot of them grew up on metal and, you know, she, uh, you know, played with Metallica at the Grammys. And then you have Nuno Betancourt, who's, you know, Rihanna's mm -hmm. guitar player. A lot of these pop bands, they want, you know, these guitar heroes like the Marty Friedman or the Monty Pittman or the Nuno Bentoncourt or, you know, my buddy uh, Joy Basu, who just put out a few independent records, uh, uh, guitar records. He ended up playing with like Jessica Simpson and Jennifer Lopez doing stuff. But it seems they want those really uh, not, not necessarily that metal sound, but someone that's very sufficient in, in, in the uh, technical ability and can play all different styles. Well, theoretically, metal guitar is probably the most exciting yeah. If you need to like have two minutes of just a chance for the singer to change clothes, mm. you know, you're not going to have a, a jazz guy playing autumn leaves for two minutes. You know what I mean? They want to have something flashy and that metal thing is like, I think pop fans can take it in small doses. And, um, and I think, you know, and in my case anyway, Ame was really into metal. That's why she got me, in the band she's known for ballads big ballad singers um chinese pop stars they, they make their living off ballads they have some up tempos but it's all ballads and she came to me and she said you know you know i've been listening to your music i've been listening to metal music and i'm really sick of this ballad stuff <laughs> she said that to me i couldn't believe it. but i told her listen i'm a huge fan of your ballads and that's why i'm doing your gig <laughs> so we come to like we come to like a, a, you know, not an agreement, but like the arrangements were very much metal because they knew that I was coming into the band and the the musical director was wanted to please Ame because she wanted to go metal. She'd been doing ballads for decades. And so we came to this really unique middle ground where there were ballads, but there were some rock arrangements and there were solos and there was like a very guitar uh uh, you know, identity, there was guitar on this tour. Mm. And so, uh, you know, I think the pop singers, like like you said, Lady Gaga, um, you know, I'm sure they rock out to hard music in their free time. 
And um, I, I found that to be the case over lots of Japanese singers as well. You know, the big, you know, the big mainstream is not necessarily in full on metal, but um, I think a lot of people listen to metal for enjoyment, people you wouldn't expect. And uh, th that's very, very nice to nice to watch. And it's fun to see people doing full on pop that looks like these guys definitely hate metal. But then they know all the metal bands and they love metal. And it's like what they do for a living is completely the polar opposite. So I just found that very interesting and very smart on their part, actually. Sure, sure. Hey, Monty, Hardy, I know you're kind of strapped on time. Do you, do you have a few more minutes? Uh, I know Monty probably has a couple of questions uh, uh, he wants to talk to you about. You yeah, know, maybe we can go 10 minutes. I didn't even realize how fast we were going. Yeah, I, I just looked at the uh, the uh, clock here. So yeah, go ahead, Monty. Was there something you wanted to? No, I was just saying of all the songs that you just named, I was just working on Autumn Leaves with one of my students. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your 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 students. Uh, that's I know that's what you know. Obviously, with uh, COVID and all, you've been uh, unable to tour and unable to do shows, and you've been pretty active teaching. And you got kind of uni a unique method for teaching, right? Some kind of uh, app that you use, Monty. Well, no, it, it's just I just teach over Skype or FaceTime. There's a couple of people okay. who use Zoom, right? Um, so it's just whatever someone wants to use. And I started doing this five years ago. And um, you didn't really have, I'm, I'm sure you know, some people had the means to do this, but just using FaceTime or Skype wasn't really up to par with being able to, you know, if I were to teach someone, you know, just like how we're talking. And so I started doing that and I've been teaching since I was 15. My guitar teacher used to have me teach people. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. It's like, yeah, well, you take what you learned and figure out how to explain it to someone. And um, so, you know, you, you get better and better at it as, as you do it, you know, especially doing it in the sense of doing it online. And then a year ago, because, you know, like our tour got canceled at the end because of COVID. Um, like we had played a show and before we went on stage, we found out that we were in Paris. This is a French government shut down any nothing over a thousand people the next day we find out yeah that was our last show you know getting you all flights to come go home and so people started contacting me like hey i'm gonna be stuck at home and i want to try out how you do lessons and then once they do it they're like oh this is great this is easy because people think like well how is it going to work if we're not in the same room i'm like well i'm not going to go up and touch you anyway <laughs> you know so it's not really it's not like coming to put your hands on the on the neck um i'm not gonna tell you man and was, you had uh, a band i was gonna tell you I, I was reading that you had a band with adam lambert with yeah. also with tommy victor from prom mm -hmm. so what kind and that was obviously before adam did the whole uh uh american idol thing yeah was that, that heavy heavy band or metal band or it was a it was a, a rock band. I wouldn't say okay. heavy. Um, Adam thought it was heavy. Me and Tommy right. were like, "You think that's heavy?" Yeah, well, for <laughs> we, we look at it like it was just a, a rock band. But uh, yeah, me and Adam played together. Uh, some I wanted to start a band, and I was doing these shows. It used to be called Club Makeup. It was the first Saturday of every month, and there would be a different theme. And so, like, you had Prince month and so you'd play print songs and every the audience would dress up like it was purple rain it was, was this cool. in la it, or in texas yeah, this is in la it was at the el rey theater 
and the oh, singers, okay. it was different people from different bands and the singers were all from, uh, you know, from musical theater or that, you know, like they just some of the most amazing singers I had ever heard. And so I asked a couple of them, I was like, all right, you got to know, you got to have some friends who are great singers too. I want to start a band. Who's the best singer, you know? And so that's how Adam and I were connected. And then we started a band. Prong needed, so I played, so Prong, when I played in Prong, uh, I also played guitar, but Prong had always just been a one guitar band. And so that kind of stopped and it was difficult. It, it would work, but then there was times it wouldn't work where you'd have a conflict with your schedule. If I'd go out with Madonna, come back and it'd be time to go out with Prong and then you know, vice versa. It's, it would work. It worked for about eight years, and then it's like, hey, we're going out on tour at the same time, so we got to get somebody else. Um, and then I was gonna. So that I came back and I played bass for Prong, but I was just sort of like um, holding it down for Paul Raven because Paul Raven was gonna play, come back and play bass in Prong, but he had something with Killing Joke. But then, so I wound up, you know, kind of staying there. And then me and Tommy had an agreement. He goes, look. Uh, you need a bass player. I need a bass player. So you play bass in my band, and I'll play bass in your band. So that's how that that's how that happened. Um, Another similarity between you two. I know before. I know Marty's got to leave soon, but Marty actually did you actually audition with Madonna? This is during yes, the that's what we need to be talking about. <laughs> in nineteen ninety, you had a ah. shot to play guitar in Madonna. It, it was right the same time as the Megadeth audition. This is what happened. Um, this is what happened. Um, I had, there was some kind of cattle call audition for Madonna's guitar player and possibly other band members. And uh, I had known about this um, for about a month before my good friend Bob got me the audition in Megadeth. And uh, so um, I was like struggling to learn all these Madonna songs and, and I knew I could learn them, but most of the Madonna songs didn't really have much guitar up front in the mix and i knew that i was going to have to get some good texture sounds to be able to you know to i was a metal guy so i you know i didn't have like 50 different clean tones and all these different acoustic guitars and all these capos and stuff that happens in a pop band so i was like i'm probably even if i get the audition i'm probably not going to get the gig but i practiced really hard and i learned a bunch of the songs and even the songs with no guitar parts on them, I learned, I made up little guitar parts so I could get through an audition. And then uh, I got the audition for Megadeth, which I got the gig on the day of the audition, which was uh, a Tuesday or something. And the Madonna thing was on a Friday. So I didn't go to that. I don't know what came of that audition. It was like a big cattle call that people, I was living in Hollywood at the time and, and I, I'm not sure who I heard it from. It might have been a bass player, a keyboard, whatever. A lot of people were going, and there was a guitar day, a bass day, and uh, all kinds of different things like that. And I was pretty sure I was not going to get the gig, but I was definitely going to try my best and see if I could luck my way into it. Luckily, I got into a gig that, that was more suited for what I was able to do. Um, and that that was the story. So I never even auditioned, but uh, I was I was ready to. So I, I have Marty to think. What's that? I have I have you to think. Yeah, I don't. So 
this was like a long. I wouldn't have needed a guitar player. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and she wound up getting a metal guy. So you know, who knows? Maybe you, know? you 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 paved the path there. Like you know what? I was going to get this metal guitar. Maybe we can do a dual guitar thing in her band sometime. Sure. All right. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. If she remember, really wants to go metal. Do you remember? Um, do you remember what you auditioned with? I did uh, with the uh, I, I didn't. I didn't audition. Oh, you didn't actually get to. Okay. I didn't. No, it was like oh, a few okay. days after I got Megadeth. But I remember I learned. Um, or what I you learned? learned from my favorite songs, you know, like a version, um, True Blue, um, and um, I think True Blue was out before then. Um, yeah. And I remember that I really liked her music. The the time around Evita and stuff like that, but that was way off, way after the audition stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember I learned a couple songs. There was literally no guitar up in the mix in the songs that I learned. And I just said, I'm going to go in there with clean tone. And if it comes for a solo, I'll just improvise something with, with distorted tone. But luckily I never got it. Cause like, there's so many guys like yourself and uh, I could do it now, of course, but like at the time, I didn't have like the type of knowledge that it takes to play in a big situation like that. You have to have so much sense when to lay back and the kind of tones you need that are going to fit the song, to fit the singer. And just, you have to fill it up, but you can't fill it up when you're covering up the lead singer. And there's so many little subtle things that I had no idea about at that time there was probably no way in hell i was going to get the gig unless you know some crazy lucky thing happens yeah. so i looked into megadeth i got lucky and played in a band that i really really loved and um and and she got you so like you were perfect for the gig and and also continued to make great metal music at the same time so i think everybody you know everybody came out ahead of the game yeah, some of that stuff. There's actually guitar there, but it, yeah, it's so buried you would never know what it was. I, I really got to go, but I want to ask you that one thing before I go. Yeah. How did you come up with the guitar parts in those situations where you can't hear the guitar on the record? How did you come up with the parts? Did you come up with your, yourself, or did you like listen to mixtapes of it? Did you listen to the original Pro Tools, or what did you do? I was going to ask you a similar kind of question. Um, next time, I just made uh, so, it up. I just made it up because I didn't have the gig. No, I'm just saying for other things. Um, so what I would, if it's an older song, we would usually come up with a new version of it. The only time we would usually do a song like it is on the album is when the album had first come out. So like we would never do like a, like a version like the album. It would be some new way of doing it. So then. It's no different than playing with any other band situation. It's, it's almost like you're coming coming up with a cover of a song of who you're playing with. And, and guitar-wise, is, is you're the only guitarist, I assume? Yes. Well, I mean, she plays, you know, unless she's playing or there's been times that someone else also plays guitar, but for the main guitars, yeah. Was there a musical director who came up with the arrangements and then, and then yeah. you just know your guitar fits in there? Yeah, all, there's always a, a musical director. Sometimes they come up with, sometimes they have an idea, which I love that, of, of just the way that someone hears it, and now I've got to make something out of it. Like, I have an objective. And then there's times you play, and then you come up with, uh, like, we you know, we did uh, Burning Up, and I played it just 
playing the root notes and playing power chords. A lot of times it's me coming up with a way to show her where she can play it. Because uh, she doesn't have time to think about all this, you know, she's got too many things to think about, you know, than uh, to think about playing all, you know, playing all over the guitar. There's too many other things, too many other cogs in the wheel. Yeah. But anything, just, you know, the inspiration of, uh, you just get together and play and then you, you come up with a, an idea that way. Yeah, that's so interesting to hear. As I say, before we end this, we got to promote the yes. new Marty Friedman album, Tokyo. We didn't even have a chance to talk about it. Uh, I okay. all the stuff I want to talk about. Monty for hours. I could talk to Monty for hours. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to do a part two for sure. But yeah, I definitely yeah. want people to know Tokyo Jukebox 3 is out and it is killer. It's out on, is, is it worldwide on Mascot or here? Yeah, everywhere except Mascot. Japan, where it's on Apex in Japan, but worldwide it's on Mascot. Check it out. Um, yeah, um, I'm just wrapped up in our chat, man. We're gonna have to continue our chat. So my record, go check it out. A couple of videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, it's a fantastic talking to you, and then continued success. And um, thanks to Bob for hooking us up. And uh, let's yeah. like chat sometime. We'll do a part yeah, two, really. and I'll, I'll get you guys in touch. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, know, please email do. and whatnot. And uh, you guys should yeah. definitely stay in touch. Hey, maybe you could do a dual guitar thing with Madonna. You never know. <laughs> Triple guitars. We'll have her play, and we'll both like play guitars on, along with that. Love it. Definitely check out Monty Pittman's solo records. Uh, the last records were back in 2018. Yeah. Uh, you've got uh, like about eight albums out. Go ahead, Monty. Yeah, I, I, um, I've started working on ideas for another one. Just I don't. I've got so many different ways to go. I don't know what to do yet. Well, maybe you two could collaborate together. I'm just, I'm not rushing it. I, and I, it's like I've got heavy songs, I've got acoustic songs, I've got these blues songs, and I, I don't, you know, do I throw it all together and make one album with all these different types of music, or do I, you know, I just don't know yet. All right. So when the well, time comes, the right answer will appear. Yeah. It was a pleasure. We'll definitely get you guys back, and I'll get you two in touch, and we will. Definitely uh, have a part two, man. We got to do it. Thank you very much, Bob, and thanks, right. Monty. Great talking to you. Okay. Great talking to you, man. Can't wait to talk to you more. Yeah, thanks, stay guys. safe. Thanks, Bob. Okay, take care, guys. Right. Talk to you, soon. See you later.